Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. All right, Revolution Podcast, we are back, sort of. Here we go. Well, this is the first episode. I know, but it, me and you are back in That's this room true. with our mics together, so mm-hmm. it feels like we're coming back. Um, <laughs> Quinn, I've got a question for you. Okay. Um, I was scrolling the internet earlier this week looking for would you rather questions just for fun. Okay. And I found this one and I, I thought of you right away and you'll realize why. The question is, um, would you rather always have to speak your mind or never be able to speak again? Oh, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because we both already always speak our mind. That's so it's true. Terrible. Oh, I, oh I hate this. I just saw that question. And it was so funny because I'm like, we both do that anyways. So no difference there, I guess. Fair. But there are some inside thoughts. We do have you. you sometimes you have to have inside thoughts. You do. And I i can't imagine speaking those oh I, sometimes we both do though, again <laughs> even just yeah earlier this week i'm not gonna tell the stories but my word yeah um all right we've got an episode planned today called um how to make your faith stronger um so yeah do you want to just lead us off on that mm-hmm yeah. Um, even just a little roadmap of what we're doing yeah. today on our on our first episode. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk firstly about the, the epidemic of weak faith and how it's, yeah, how it's a real problem within our society yeah. and how we've seen a lot of people drop off yeah. in a sense. Um, and then we're going to talk about why is our faith weak and why people are, yeah, are are they abandoning their faith? Why they're kind of leaving everything that they they used to believe? Mm-hmm. That's good. And then we're gonna talk about um how how to regain your faith back and how or yeah. how to yeah make it stronger. Yeah, how to, how make, to, it stronger. How to make your faith stronger. Yeah, little statistic to kind of um, guide us to give us an idea of the problem. Um, there's a study done in 2017, I believe uh, that showed that 66% of young adults who attended church as youth would leave the church between the ages of 18 and 22. Um, Not a fantastic thing to know. Um, Mm -hmm. And so always the question we like to ask is why? Uh, Yeah. But let's start off just kind of unpacking that idea. Um, People leaving the faith. Man, this ties into my own story quite a bit because uh, I grew up in a Christian family. And when I was a early teen, some things in the Bible and in the church just started, you know, not kind of clicking in my head. You know, you read Genesis as a 12-year-old mm-hmm. and it's like, what is actually going on right now? <laughs> uh, and it's really weird. Um, and just as a kid, and this isn't necessarily true, but I kind of felt like, there wasn't space for me to ask those difficult questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes when I did, the answers were a little bit watery, um, nothing much of substance. And so over the years, those questions just grew larger and larger and in number. And it ended up with me walking away from the church for quite a while. Um, and I think that's kind of representative of 
our our generation especially mm-hmm. right now um because you meet so many people who were born in the church um or who partway through their life came to Christ mm-hmm. um and honestly you, this might sound harsh but there's often not a lot of substance to their faith mm-hmm. um yeah it's often either something they say but don't you know we often we often talk about how people will um profess christ with their mouth but not with their hands yeah um, because they're saying they're christian and then you know you go off and see them and you're like i'm trying not to judge <laughs> but uh and you know that because that happens it, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very sad thing uh we laugh um because it can be funny but it's a sad thing mm-hmm. and totally um you know the the people who walk away from their faith between the ages of 18 and 22 that doesn't uh, it it can sometimes but it often doesn't just come out of nowhere it's often yeah. building for years and years mm-hmm. and years and so the problems really start in the teenage years um and then only just get magnified as they get older so again our question is why um anything to add to that idea of this epidemic of weak faith no i think you hit it pretty good i think that was yeah very good accurate representation And yeah, I think we can move on. Yeah, so on that note as well, um, the idea of weak faith. uh, We've been working a lot with uh, the youth group Mm -hmm. uh, that we're both a part of over this last year. And I had the opportunity a few months ago to talk about spiritual disciplines. And one of the spiritual disciplines I I was talking about was evangelism. And so for my thing on evangelism, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about apologetics. And so I created Mm -hmm. um, a small infographic sort of thing um, with some of the hardest questions that I think somebody could ask you as a Christian. And I wanted to give it to all of our youth students so that they could be prepared for those questions. Mm -hmm. And I remember showing it to our youth pastor and he made a joke and he was like, oh, you're going to make everybody deconstruct their faith. And me, very seriously, I was like, oh, yeah, I hope so. And he just got this terrified look in his eyes. Um, And so that ties into our next uh, question here, which is, why is our faith weak? Um, And I just want to start that off by saying, I think it's because we're afraid of deconstruction. And deconstructionism is one of those big words. Mm -hmm. Unpack it a little bit, maybe. Um, It's essentially the idea that you know how you can break your body down into organs and then molecules and atoms and all that. Yeah. Deconstruction is essentially taking your faith and doing the same thing, trying to break it down to its um, smallest parts. And we often hear about it talked in a very negative sense uh, because usually the path is um, Christian, deconstruction, atheist, um, right. or or an, another religion of some kind. They often go straight to atheism though. Um, and I... You know, I, I don't think that's a accurate picture of what deconstructionism can be, what it, what it can mean to deconstruct your faith. Um, because I am a firm believer that um, asking those hard questions about your faith is one of the best things that you could do, which we'll talk more about later. But um, so on the question of why is our faith weak, I think one of the reasons is because we are scared uh, to, to deconstruct it all. We are scared to press in and ask difficult questions that are, you know, we might call them dangerous questions, right? Mm-hmm. Those questions that you're not supposed to ask, those questions yeah. that don't have easy, pretty, neat answers. Um, we can get so scared of those questions that we try to stuff them down and suppress them. Um, and, and, you know, the thing that will kill your faith isn't doubt, it's silence. 
on those matters yeah. of doubt. I believe that 100%. So anyways, that's my piece on deconstruction. Um, I've got a lot of experience with that just because that's my testimony. And mm-hmm. so I see it a lot in other people. I don't know if you want to add anything to deconstruction. I know you've got, you've got some other ideas about mm-hmm. weak faith and stuff. Yeah, I, I like that that piece when you, I mean, the whole piece about deconstruction, it was really good. But I liked, um, yeah, that thing of people aren't willing to do these kind of things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we kind of talked about that before where it's, People aren't willing to take risks. Yes. They're not willing to take a risk and jump out and just be like, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna go do this mm-hmm. for you right now because I feel called to. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are are scared of that. Totally. And so as like you said, the silence, as they suppress that and they're like, No, I'm not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. Or that it's like then they suddenly realize that they've ignored everything. Yeah. And then yeah. suddenly it's non existent. Exactly. They're, oh, yeah, because they're not so listening right. to anything and they're not actively trying to follow God, what he has for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I thought, I like that word risk. Um, I think you're absolutely right. We're, and this is another thing. Um, we are scared of risk, uh, generally, um, man, it's, it's so easy to take the Bible and to take the church and try to like put the frills and the lace on it to mm-hmm. try to pretty, up, pretty it up and try to take out the hard bits. Um, and we, we say it's all in, you know, in for a good cause because we're trying to yep. get people in, which is a good, it's good intentions, bad practice. Um, listen, um, I, th- I think, I think um, a guy named Jesus maybe once told us that <laughs> life, you know, in this world, you will have troubles. Um, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that because you can take heart for I have overcome the world. Yeah. Um, but when we try to shield people from that risk, and this ties into those difficult questions, when we try to shield people from those difficult questions, we're not eliminating them. Mm-hmm. We're just making people less prepared for them. Because if, if I'm if i trying to um, convert you to Christianity and I tell you, you know, your life's going to get better. Uh, you give everything to Jesus, give your money to Jesus too while you're Ooh. at it, and things are going to go really, really well for you. Um, people can believe that, and that might make it, you know, um, more appealing for them to become a believer, but that doesn't actually take out the negative elements of their life. Those storms and trials are still going to come. You've just now lied to them and um, made them less prepared and less, um, yeah, I think just less prepared uh, for those things to come. And and the other thing there is, uh, I think, I think people actually like risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, you think of those people in, uh, what's the movie, Wally, where they're just sitting around in the chairs all day being fed and like right. they don't have to do mm-hmm. anything. We look at that and we're like, oh, that's miserable. Even though it's like super high tech and they don't have to do anything. Yeah. We look at that and we say, that's a miserable life because we don't, as people, we don't actually want lives that have no trouble, no risk at all. We want a little bit of danger. We want a little bit of edge. Um we want something that's important enough to risk things for. Um, and so not only does trying to take the risk out of Christianity um, completely do a disservice to our God and to the Bible, um, it does a disservice to the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does a disservice to your own mission as an evangelist because people don't want fluffy, easy lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a piece on fulfillment that I think is good here. Yeah, I think kind of with that risk, people... They don't want to take those risks, but I think oftentimes people, they're trying, well, I guess even in a sense, they're not trying mm-hmm. to strengthen or deepen their faith. Yeah. And so then they're not finding that fulfillment because yeah. so many people I've, I've seen it in my own life, even in, in school, in even, yeah, just in other people in my friend group, they're yeah. trying to find this fulfillment 
in other things. Yeah. Um, but it's not working. And that yeah. can be the same thing with our faith. And yeah. that's only because we're not actively trying to to strengthen our faith. And so we're not finding this fulfillment mm-hmm. because we're not taking the time. Yeah. I think so when I was when so when I was younger, so my, my whole family plays baseball. Uh, except me. <laughs> this is the joke. Um I'm the theater kid. So when I was younger, though, I, I tried to play baseball because that's just what we all did. And um, I remember I was put on the mound for the first time during a game. Oh. I tried to throw the ball about a dozen times. None of them made it over the plate, which is kind of the prerequisite to being a pitcher. You have to be able to get the ball right. over the, the home plate there. Usually. Usually. It's it's a good thing to aim for. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I kind of gave up and I never wanted to pitch again. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had stuck with it, I would have been able to get the ball over the plate. I yeah. would have, if I had really stuck with it, I could have become a really good pitcher um, because you only get the most out of something when you put the most into it. And I think yeah. that's what you're hitting on here with mm-hmm. this fulfillment piece is um, people say, well, you know, Jesus isn't for me. It's like, well, you know, have you really given it a proper go? Mm-hmm. Have you really... Um, yeah, I mean, the Bible talks about dedicating your life to Christ. Yeah. Um, anything less than that is like, well, what are you doing? Um, so, you know, we, we, we both know people who, you know, in our friend groups uh, from our school who do seek fulfillment in other things. And, and the problem is that those things never actually ultimately fulfill them. Yeah. And so then they're kind of just left wandering and drifting uh, in this watery sort of abyss. Um, and mm-hmm. we say, well, why don't you come to Jesus? And they're like, oh, that doesn't work. And it's like, well, have you ever, have you ever really, have you ever really come to Him um, yeah. on your knees, broken, desperate, and needing Him, and saying, whatever I was before, Lord, I'm Yours now. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever given your life to Him? Have you ever spent hours in prayer in the Bible? Um, have you ever really integrated yourself into the church community? Have you ever, yeah, put your best foot forward with Jesus and said, whatever happens, Lord, I'm Yours? Um, because that's what it means to be a Christian. Being a Christian yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to believe in Jesus and hope I get happy. Being a Christian means you belong to him now. Mm-hmm. And fulfillment comes from that. I mean, you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, and um, he he had a good, respectable family. Uh, he was well-esteemed in his community. He was one of the most brilliant Pharisees of his day. Uh, he said, calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, and then he said, but I count it all as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, and that's the sort of fulfillment you can find. Um, I, there's this great quote by this guy named Scott Saul. He says, oh, let me try to get this right. He said, I would hate to mess this up. Um, he says, everything minus Jesus equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Mm. Um, it's just this idea that no matter what the world has to offer without Jesus, it's not going to bring you any fulfillment. Um, but Jesus, apart from everything in the world will give you all the fulfillment you could ever need. And so tying this back to why is our faith weak, um, people often don't find fulfillment uh, in Christ as Christians. Um, and I think what you're getting at is that's because they're not putting in the time and the effort and the dedication necessary for mm-hmm. that. Would I yeah. be right in that? Oh, totally. Yeah, you you hit on that perfectly. And it's also, they're not putting in the time. And with, the, with putting in time, that will also mean that you're going to learn. And as you learn, you're going to grow. And as you grow, yeah. you're also going to learn that you have to take risks. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah. 
because without risks are we're just going to be like we were before floating yes just floating in this abyss of oh i'll sometimes go to church i'll Mm -hmm. sometimes pray i'll sometimes read my bible yeah um but it doesn't get you anywhere yeah it doesn't yeah it gets you back at ground zero yeah if you're not actively trying to do anything totally yeah i mean i think of you know the parable of the sower uh the seeds that are scattered uh in the rocks and then the roots Mm -hmm. aren't able to grow very deep yeah i I think that's it i think um a lot of the reason our our faith can be so weak nowadays is that um, we don't have any roots yeah um, and we're not willing to put in the time to grow those roots and when there's rocks and these obstacles in our lives um like, you know, us maybe a sin struggle uh, that we're caught in, maybe uh, an unhealthy relationship, maybe whatever it is, um, we, we don't try to clear those rocks. And then how mm-hmm. are roots supposed to grow? Yeah. Yeah. They grow for a little bit, but then, but then they're taken away. Yes. That's right. That's kind of the storms come and it's just completely uprooted and it's gone. Mm-hmm. But, but there's also that other piece of, but when you place your, your faith in the, in the good soil and in the, yeah. in the good ground, yeah. um, you'll produce hundredfold, sixtyfold, yeah. whatever the yeah. rest of the it verse says. Exponentially, mm-hmm. exponentially. Yeah. Um, awesome. So epidemic of uh, weak faith, it's very widespread in the world and in our generation especially. Mm-hmm. Why is our faith weak? Uh, we're scared of deconstruction of those difficult questions. Um, we're scared of risk and we try to, we cheapen God and we cheapen uh, our faith by removing the risk. Um, why is our faith weak? Because people don't find fulfillment in it. And so why should they keep mm-hmm. following it? And the reason they don't find fulfillment in it is because we're not putting in the time. We're not yeah. willing to take those risks. Um, that's necessary to get there. Uh, last thing I'll throw in for why is our faith weak? Um, I would say we are generally an illiterate culture, but in the church especially, we tend to be quite functionally, I I say function, I know everybody can read. I mean, functionally illiterate. Uh, We tend to be functionally illiterate people um, because those very difficult questions, uh, you know, whether it be how could a loving God send people to hell, Um, Mm -hmm. whether it be how could a God who is all knowing, all loving and all powerful allow evil to exist? Um, You know, those are big philosophical questions. Maybe it's a more, um, you know, historical kind of question. Like, how do I know Jesus actually rose from the grave? How do I know I can trust the Bible? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's a deep theological question. Like, how can God be three in one? Isn't that logically impossible? Um, Here's another one. Here's another. You can get some good logic questions here. How could Jesus be both God and man if God is infinite and man is finite? Because those things can't go together, infinite and finite things. How does that work? Never um, thought of that. <laughs> we, I, yeah, dude, I got more questions. Don't worry. I know. We'll do, we'll do something for that one time. Anyways, you take questions like that. Um, and there are brilliant answers to them, not only in the Bible, but in the historical creeds and confessions and catechisms of the church. Um, and I know, you know, we can get scared of that and we're like, we're not Catholic, love Catholics, by the way, but, um, we tend to, we can associate those things with, you know, what we might call more traditional sort of faiths. Mm -hmm. And we're all about reformation, reformation, like Christianity didn't start with the reformation. I'm a ref. I love the, I love the Protestant reformation, but Christianity didn't start with the Protestant reformation. It started a long time before that. And even since the Protestant reformation, there've been brilliant catechisms written, uh, that we can learn a lot from, um, But what I'm getting at here is that um, those difficult questions that we can ask, um, the answers are buried in the literature and 
history of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, those things just aren't presented to us, though. Uh, like as teenagers growing up in our youth group, um, I've I think I've been encouraged to read um, a catechism once, and it was the Heidelberg Catechism, which is brilliant. Um, I remember once in Sunday school at our church when I was younger, uh, we were shown the Apostles' Creed. There was that, which yes. is really, really good. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, so there was the Apostles' Creed, was encouraged to read the Heidelberg Catechism um, by somebody from our youth group. I think that was kind of it, though. Um, definitely not talked about you know, outside of our church and the wider Christian communities that we're involved in. Nobody talks about uh, mm-hmm. that very much. Um, but those creeds and confessions and catechisms are so important to our faith because they take the knowledge and brilliant um, answers of the Bible and they codify it and organize it and give poetic language to it and um, organize it into questions and answers. So, you know, you, you say, you know, what is my one hope in life, right? Like, what's the point? What's the mm-hmm. hope in life? Yeah. You go to the Heidelberg Catechism, you see that exact question there and you're like, oh, my only hope in life and death is that I am not my own, that I am bought at a price, yeah. that I belong to my Lord mm-hmm. and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's like, oh, that's brilliant. You know, where's my hope? That's a very common question. That's not a super common answer though, Um, but it could be if we were more literate in that way. So Mm -hmm. anyways, why is our faith week? Last thing I'll add there is just that uh, we tend to be illiterate um, in our faith communities. And I think that's a very damaging thing because it Mm -hmm. disconnects, again, that idea of roots. The roots of the church are in the creeds and the confessions and the catechisms. And if you want to tap into some major strength um, and depth of knowledge and faith, go read uh, like the Apostles' Creed, the Athanasius' Creed, um, Heidelberg Catechism, Westminster, I'll say the Westminster Shorter Catechism, Westminster uh, Confession of Faith, all so, so, so good. Uh, Mm -hmm. But anyways, that's my piece on illiteracy. You know, that's a thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Chase loves to read, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Can't help it. Yeah. I, I really like that piece. Um, yeah. And I think we're illiterate in reading those catechisms, those confessions of faith and mm-hmm. those uh, like apostles' creed, those kind of things. But I think we're also illiterate in reading the Bible and oh, trying to so trying to understand because I was I was listening to a comedy bit and this dude he was saying he was doing a thing on how much the Bible talks about farming. Yeah. And he's like, I don't understand any of that anymore because it's like <laughs> put it into simple terms, talk about a field and compare it to an iPhone charger yes, kind of thing. I, it, yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um but I think there's so much value in trying to understand the sower, mm-hmm. the the parable of the sower. Yeah. Um and trying to understand it in its context because yeah. it's through that that you're actually gonna learn mm-hmm. it on a more real level. And so, so it's true. taking those things that Chase talked about and really taking a look at reading those. I'm, I should read those right after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also taking a look in reading the Bible very yeah. widely, like yeah. taking a look at um, forcing yourself to read through Leviticus. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a wild ride in some parts, man. Yeah. There's some crazy stuff. <laughs> but, but there's so much different types of literature in the Bible. Yes. So it's, it's also about taking that and reading trying to understand read everything as widespread as you can yeah know know the genre you're reading uh we'll have to do again well we're gonna have to do um we've been planning a series on how to read the bible we're gonna have to do that at some point because we don't have time to really cover it so true um i will say the the last i'll add to that because i think Mm -hmm. that's really really good um 
is that I was reading uh, a chapter from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology the other day, and he was going over um, the authority of Scripture. Uh, and he was saying, he was going over some of the more difficult questions people could ask, like the apparent contradictions or mistakes in the mm-hmm. Bible. Um, and then he was giving his answers. And I remember reading the questions he put in there, and I, I didn't understand all of them, but a few of them I'd read like, you know, the gospel that surrounded, you know, that one thing Jesus said, and the people go, oh, that's not true. Um, I remember reading the question, and I was like, how could anybody ask such a stupid question? Because if you read, again, if you read the Bible widely, and if you know if you know how to read literature, um, you know, you, you, you just wouldn't ask questions like that, mm-hmm. because it gives you a different understanding of, of what a written word is, and especially the Bible. Um, and so I, I would just affirm that reading the Bible widely and reading widely in general um, will clear up a lot of misunderstandings for you as you read the Bible, because uh, you know there's a difference between history and poetry. Um, mm-hmm. You read in First Kings that there is a battle, and there is a battle. You read in Psalm that um, I don't know God has wings. Maybe God doesn't have wings, um, but it you know it mm-hmm. is a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I'll say. Is that does that cover why is our faith week pretty well? Yeah. Recap uh, deconstruction. We're afraid of it. Um, risk. We tend to avoid it. Fulfillment can't be found without risk. And why should you follow something that doesn't fulfill you? And then we tend to be illiterate as well, which removes us from the historical roots of strength in the church. Mm-hmm. That, that's pretty good, hey? I like that. That's not too shabby. Oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that leads us naturally to the next question. Um, if our faith is so weak... Quinn, how do we make our faith stronger? Hmm. Let me think about that. Do you want me to lead it off? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's the, what what we talked about, but also the opposite. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like Chase said, um, we're functionally illiterate and we kind of, we kind of briefly talked about it, mm-hmm. but it's, if we're, if we find that we're not understanding these things yeah. but we're not taking time to read it yeah. well then that would mean that we actually got to force ourselves mm-hmm. to take a look at reading the bible yeah. because um yeah i i try to read my bible every day and it's it's when i do that i'm like oh i i understand new truths about god yeah. i understand yeah. new things um and it could be reading in isaiah mm-hmm. that i'm like oh i i've never seen this before that often happens in um, isaiah <laughs> Um, or even taking a look at, at Romans, which we're doing with our small group. Mm, there's, there's so, so much good stuff. And I've, and I've, I've read Romans before a couple yeah. times, but it's when you take a, a look at like four or five verses yeah. and it's just like, you focus in on it. Yeah. And you, you just ponder it and yeah, it, yeah. it's just, yeah. You, by reading, mm-hmm. reading those, those creeds and those catechisms, yeah. it'll help you understand those truths. Yeah. Um, but by reading the Bible and taking a look at it, you can just read it to read it or you can read it to study it. Yes. So um, true. But it's through either of those that you're going to see new things and see new truths. And it's through that when you when you realize of how loving God really is, yeah. um, you realize the real struggles that, that happen and to David and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you also realize where he came out on the other side. Yeah. It's like, oh, that that for me, I'm like, that that's how I want to that's how I want to live my yeah, life. So good, yeah. I think that's kind of example. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, practical steps on how do we do this. Uh, give you just a few. Um, Being your Bible every single day. Um, you know, we tend to be scared of legalism um, and be like, oh, you can't tell people that they should do certain things. 
let me tell you, <laughs> you should be reading your Bible every single day. Um, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. He meditates on it day and night. Boom. Bibled. You should read your Bible every day. Um, even if it's short, even if it's 20 minutes, even if it's a chapter or two every day, mm-hmm. read your Bible every single day. Seek to understand it. Um, like Quinn said, if you need to focus in on just a few verses at a time to mine the depths and richness of the meaning yeah. that's there, do that. Um, pray as you read the Bible. Seek to see how it can flow from your head so that it affects your thoughts out into your hands so it affects your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, any idea that stops in your head is a worthless idea. It needs to flow out into your life. So every time you read the Bible and you're learning something, ask the question, how do I live this out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like um, that. And then as far as creeds and confessions go, I'll give you two. Read the Apostles' Creed. Um, it's very short. Look it up online. Read the Apostles' Creed and read the Heidelberg Catechism. They're both online. Uh, you can access them for free. Uh, Heidelberg Catechism is longer, so it might take you a little while to get through it. Apostles' Creed, you could read it 10 times in two minutes. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. It's you know, the historical declaration of our faith. Heidelberg Catechism is this brilliant series of questions and answers uh, that's designed to teach people about the Christian faith. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So Apostles' Creed, Heidelberg Catechism, that's it for, um, you know, how do we make our faith stronger in the literate sense? Um, Next, uh, what do you want to talk about? Fulfillment. Yeah. So we, we had touched on this again. We'll try to make this short because I feel like we touched on this a little bit. Um, practically, how do you find fulfillment in Jesus? Um, I think it starts by abandoning everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean running off into the woods with no clothes, become a hobo. <laughs> I mean, because yeah, people, you know, people misunderstand me sometimes. Um, I think it, it ties back to the idea from Romans 12, where Paul says, uh, you must become living sacrifices. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I guess just examine your life because um, <clears throat> everything in you and in your life that is disconnected from the kingdom of God is going to burn on the last day. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a harsh truth, but it is true. Um, I think it's a fantastic truth once you meditate on it for a while and you realize that God's the only good thing in your life. So yeah. thank goodness that he's the only thing that's going to survive in your life. Um, but with that, um, practically, look at your life, look at the things that don't belong in the kingdom of God. Look at the ways that, um, you know, the Bible tells us we need to spend our time wisely. Look at the ways in your life where, you know, you're not spending your time for the kingdom of God. And that doesn't mean just praying and reading your Bible 24-7. Um, that can mean, you know, when I'm with people at work, do I treat them kindly? Um, do I have encouraging words? Do I take opportunities to share the gospel? Am I mm-hmm. praying for the people in my life? Um do I take the responsibilities God has put in my life, whatever they are, and do I honor those to the best of my ability? All of that is kingdom work. That's kingdom work. Um, And it's through that, through your life slowly, everything converges into being for God and for God alone. That's where fulfillment is found, I think. Mm -hmm. Because you look at Paul uh, and the crap he went through, and he found joy and fulfillment in it. And that's only because everything was for Jesus. Mm-hmm. You want to hit on that? Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, and even in in you, Chase, I've I've seen there's there's a shift when you when you switch your mind to everything's about Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah, majorly over the last year for sure. Yeah, and yeah. and it's been. Yeah, I, I was talking to someone. It's like every when they saw it, when everything, when when you got baptized, mm-hmm. those kind of things. It's like 
there was something different, something new. Yeah. That was just so tangible. And it was like, you could see it so physically play out in his, in your life. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to do a testimony thing at some point, hey, to really get into both of our stories and unpack mm-hmm. them. Um, but I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, my, I, again, I won't try to get into it because uh, we'll try to uh, stay on the topic here, but definitely my life, man. Um, before Jesus, like a wreck the whole way through with everything, a wreck in some way since then, but that's all me, not him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, since that, um, you know, the idea of joy and fulfillment, mm-hmm. if I can speak on that personally, um, I looked for fulfillment everywhere, even since coming to Christ. Uh, you know, unfortunately, all sin doesn't flee from you right away. Um, and si- since coming to Christ, you know, there's still those temptations to try to find fulfillment in other things, mm-hmm. and you fight those every day. Um, but the more you turn and rely on Jesus, um, man, every time, that's where the only true happiness comes. And so, um, yeah, how could you not? How could you not give your life to him, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. So fulfillment's good. Um, risk quickly. Take risks. Um, yeah. Live dangerously. Um, yeah. Don't be, here's this. Don't be afraid to be a fool for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I'm 100% scared of that. <laughs> Yeah, me too, because it's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, even for me, I, I've had times where I'm like just sitting and laying in my bed and, and I'll just be like, God will say something to me. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't want to take that risk and put myself out there. Yeah. And I think there's, but instead it's something that I'm, I'm working on mm-hmm. and it's what it means to be fully convicted yeah. by God and his love, who he is. Yeah. It means to step out in faith when it seems like it's the most wild thing you could do. Yeah. I think that's key, that idea of like in faith. And I think uh, something that we can hit on since we're talking about faith in this, faith isn't this uh, psychological certainty inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, faith is your life. Um, yeah. The idea of like living by faith uh, means that you're walking in this trust to God. And man, you you want to learn how to, I mean, like even in relationships, um, let's say, you know, you're married to somebody and something really, really difficult happens in your life and you have to rely on them and they're able to support you so, so well. Um, that bond between you guys is forever stronger because of that. Yeah. Um, and so with your relationship with Jesus, which, you know, is part of faith, um, this idea of risk, the more you step out in faith into that unknown, into that chaos, into the wilderness, you might Mm -hmm. say, um, the more you have to rely on Jesus, the more you have to say, I don't have the strength. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to put it on Jesus. And the more you have to give yourself to him because you, you literally don't know what else to do and you're sustained through those times, Mm -hmm. um, that's what grows. So the idea of like how to make our faith stronger, that's what grows strong faith is relying on Jesus again and again and getting through those difficult things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, risk, um, how to make this really practical, um, preach the word, um, reach out to colleagues and friends and family who aren't believers, share the gospel with them, pray for them, offer to pray for people. Yeah. Uh, This is something for me that I've been convicted of people often, if you ask to pray for them, even if they're not believers, they'll say yes. Uh, And that's a really, really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the thing of everybody wants, what's the word? Everybody wants something like everybody wants to be healed from something. Yes. If, if they're, everybody needs if they're, to be healed from something. Yeah. yeah. And so if you say, even if they don't believe, they're going to be like, yeah, I want this because 
it's like there's this possibility. There's a yeah, and and that's, that's really where good. people are like, oh, yeah, I I don't know, but it's just some words. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say on, just on their end. On their end, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd say be willing to evangelize, be willing to pray for people uh, within the church, um, be willing to call people out. There, how's that? Mm-hmm. Um, be willing to be called out. Um, be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Get involved in your church community. That builds strong faith. Yeah, uh, our faith is built up in community, not in isolation. Mm-hmm. Newsflash: We're bu- being built up as living stones of a holy house. Uh, it's not one stone. You can't live inside a stone, but you can live inside a house. Um, yep. And so we're being built up as living stones. So get with the other people. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, we'll do a, we're going to, again, there's so many ideas you have for this podcast. We're going to do, we're going to have to have episodes on spiritual gifts and talk about prophecy at some point. But just very briefly, we'll say if, you know, you're convicted of giving a word or giving a Bible verse to one of your fellow believers, one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, be willing to do that. Uh, It can be scary. It's a risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do it. Trust God in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, what did Jesus say? When you stand before the courts, uh, do not despair of what you will say for in that very moment, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Um, mm-hmm. So don't be afraid of taking risks. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, that's, pretty that's good. good. All right, last little bit here. How do we make our faith stronger? Shall we talk about deconstructionism? Dun, dun, dun. That's pretty good. <laughs> deconstruction. How do you make our faith stronger with deconstruction? Uh, do you have anything you want to say first on that? No, I think you can take that one away. Yeah. Uh, deconstruction, ask the difficult questions. Mm-hmm. Um, every question that you don't bring out into light, every question that you don't ask will forever bother you. Um, every every question that you don't do your best to deal with will sit under your skin and irritate you for the rest mm-hmm. of your life. Um, and it will cause problems later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so get those difficult questions out. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that every church is happy about people asking those questions. I know there's lots that aren't, um, but find believers in your context who are willing to engage with those questions and just start a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, see Again, seek in the Bible for answers, um, but there's fantastic books um, as well that have been compiled. I know for me, uh, one that was given to me in, in this time, uh, C.S. Lewis, um, mere Christianity, I mean, anything by C.S. Lewis is brilliant, but the ones of his that really affected me were mere Christianity. That convinced me that a, a God exists. I wasn't sure if it was a Christian God yet, um, but he he got me out of atheism into agnosticism. Um, and then the other one by him is The Great Divorce. That convinced me that God can be good and hell can be real, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a really difficult thing to wrestle with. So C.S. Lewis books are fantastic. Uh, Lee Strobel as well. I've only read one by him. It was The Case for Faith. Um, Lewis has a book on the problem of pain. It's pretty good. I like Lee Strobel's uh, answer better in The Case for Faith. Uh, he's a journalist, so he takes real life stories and shows how they um, illustrate answers to these difficult biblical questions. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't know if there's any off the top of my head besides that, but in the, on the, in the realm of deconstruction, don't shy away from it, but also don't do it incorrectly because people will often use deconstruction as they'll say, oh, I'm deconstructing my faith. And then they'll ask all the difficult questions and then walk away. It's like a kid who they're playing Jenga and they knock over the tower, then just peace out. It's like, no, put the tower back together now. Mm -hmm. Um, So if, if you, if you want to go down this realm of deconstruction, um, don't stop by just 
it's it's easy to ask questions all day long. Mm-hmm. It's harder to answer them. Um, and I say that as a challenge because you know you can do the you can do the easy part if you want. You can just poke holes in Christianity all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, are you brave enough? And you know, people often think of them. I did anyways. I was quite prideful in that questioning phase where I was like, oh, I've got all these brilliant questions and nobody's got answers to them. Okay. Are you smart enough to go and find answers yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, can you seek answers to these questions? You can't say that there isn't an answer to a question unless you've done absolutely everything in your power to try to answer it. So my encouragement, mm-hmm. how do you make your faith stronger? Ask the difficult questions, seek difficult answers, um, and they will come. Yeah. Last thing, one thing I've been absolutely convicted of in all my work and study in apologetics is that there is absolutely no good objection to Christianity. You can challenge me on that if you want. I, I believe it to be true. I haven't been proven wrong yet. Um, the only reason we can't answer certain questions is because we don't know enough about them. But the moment you start studying and pressing in and trying to find more, the Bible and our God answers gives the best answer every single time without fail. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're in this phase of deconstruction, if you're worried, if you have a kid maybe or a friend who is in this phase of deconstruction and they're asking ridiculously complicated questions and you don't know what to do, um, be at peace because there are good answers. They are out there, mm-hmm. I promise you. And even... For those people who who know those people who are asking those questions, yeah, also be okay with saying I don't know. Yeah, I don't. People again. Yeah, that's something we're afraid of too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think as soon as we try and answer every single question without knowing the actual answer, mm-hmm. we we do ourselves a disservice. Yeah, because we think we, yeah, we think we know everything, but we don't. And yeah. the more we try and think we know everything, the more we're almost trying to play God in a sense. So true. Yeah. If you're in that situation. Approach it with humility. Don't be afraid of saying, I don't know. Don't be afraid of saying, can we explore this together? That's what my dad did for me because um, mm-hmm. I was asking his questions and he didn't know all the answers off the top of his head, but he bought me a copy of Mere Christianity by Lewis. And he said, can we just read this together and try to figure this out? I said, sure. And that changed my life. Um, mm. So don't be afraid of asking somebody to explore this. way Because if somebody actually cares about what they believe enough to deconstruct it, um, then they will want to seek out those answers together. So I think mm-hmm. that's really good. Again, we're gonna have to do a series on evangelism and apologetics. We can't get into all of this stuff right yeah. now, but okay. So epidemic of faith, it's uh, of weak faith, sorry. It's out there, uh, it's dangerous, um, it's quite widespread and it can happen under the surface. Um, why is our faith weak? We're afraid of deconstruction. We're f- we, people can't find fulfillment in Christ. Mm-hmm. We're, we try to hide the risk that's involved in the Christian life, and we're an illiterate group of believers. How to make our faith stronger? Become literate. Um, give everything in order to find fulfillment. Being, be willing to take those risks and deconstruct in a healthy way. Yeah. How's that? I like that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, next episode, what are we doing? We're we're continuing this idea of questioning. Um, we want to move from questioning the um, epidemic of weak faith. We want to look at some other symptoms in our culture. Uh, I think next we're going to be hitting materialism. Yeah. Um, the, you know, success mindset in our culture. We want to ask, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Where are its strengths? Where where are its weaknesses? Next episode after that, we're looking at the porn industry. We're looking at Mm -hmm. lust. Uh, We're looking at uh, what I... I like this phrase. It's from a book, uh, a pornified culture that we live in. Uh, We want to look at that and we want to question that too. So anyways, 
Um, love you guys. Love God. Uh, we'll be back later. So thanks so much for listening. Sounds good. Yeah. Bye-bye. Peace out.